Thank you for having me this morning, um, even though most of you are probably like, didn't know you were going to be here. Um, but it's great to be back with you guys. I was saying to Torin, I think I was here last in January, um, and then a few months before that. So it's been the longest stretch we've gone since we became friends um, for me not to be here, but now I'll be back um, about quarterly. So it's really lovely to be here. I love coming to this church. This is obviously a great time to be in Michigan, right? What a week. Wow. It's stunning this morning. So beautiful. It's 100 in D.C. right now. <laughs> 100 in D.C., about a 75% humidity. Nice. That's like where you like cut out the air and you walk through it, you know? That's the kind of feeling we have. So this is really beautiful. So this is a real gift. Now, December, when I come back, that's going to be a different story. That's going to be a different story. Um, but I was excited to be a part of this particular series, The Warp and Weft. Um, so thinking about how we integrate our vocation and our spiritual lives. So this Sunday, uh, this morning, we're focusing on educators. Um, well, two groups, really. We're focusing on educators. So if you are someone who trains people or you're a teacher, professor, or you're in academics, you do some kind of education. And also, if you are a full-time parent. So if you are a mom or a dad and you work from home and you're raising kids, um, I'm going to call that full-time parents this morning. Um, you are also an educator. You are also someone who brings people to maturity, who transfers knowledge, um, who invests in young people. So that's what we're looking at this morning. So raise your hand if you're in that category, in those categories for your vocation you're calling. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, obviously, this is also for, um, it's scripture, so it's for everybody, um, but that's also the group that we really want to bless this morning, and we really want to um, send out into your calling. So this morning, I thought we would look at 1 Corinthians for this, 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 3, and I'll jump around a little bit, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Paul says this, when writing to the church in Corinth. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. 
So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world of life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. The word of the Lord. So Paul is writing here to the church. We know whenever Paul's writing a letter to the church that we can figure out what's going wrong with the church by what he says. (laughs) So, you know, we can sort of read backwards into this and go, okay, so Paul's admonishing them and, and telling them they're acting this way and this way, so that's obviously something that was going wrong in the church. And really, if we were reading back further into 1 Corinthians, we would see that Paul starts talking in the very beginning of the letter about wisdom. He's talking about wisdom, and he's saying they're acting foolishly. And he'll take this dichotomy throughout the book, wisdom and foolishness, wisdom and foolishness. And particularly, this group in the the church in Corinth were caught up with this idea that they were wise, that they had gained extra knowledge because of the leader that they followed. So that's where all those words come in about, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Cephas. And they were sort of taking their leader, you know, maybe who they were following on Twitter or something like that, and they were like, well, I follow this person. So obviously, I have all the cool knowledge, you know? And they were over here going, well, I follow Paul, so obviously, I am actually wise and you are foolish. And what Paul was seeing was all this discord in the church. And so he was calling them to a different kind of unity. And he was saying that they were being like infants. He was telling them they were being childish. He was saying, I've given you this great vision of the church, of community, which is about unity, and you're choosing actually to be more like children, quarreling among yourselves. He says to them, it doesn't actually matter who you follow, whether it's Paul or Cephas or whatever, it's God who brings the growth. And this was really what I was pressed on my heart as I was praying about what scripture to use for this Sunday. I was like, Lord, what do you want to say to this amazing group, especially to the people who have given their lives, whose vocation it is to raise young people? What do you want to say? And I felt like the Lord wanted, wanted me to say, he waters, you know? He brings the growth. Being a parent is overwhelming. <laughs> I'm sure that's not you. That's just other people. Um, it's overwhelming for other people. Being a parent, especially if you're a full-time, can be really overwhelming. Being an educator, working with young people of all different ages, trying to teach someone something can be overwhelming. And it can often feel like a thankless task. It can feel like you don't see the plant growing fast enough. And you're wondering, what am I doing? What is all this investment I've put into this soil of this person's life and I'm not seeing a lot of growth? And so I'm going to give some various tips that come from what Paul's saying, but ultimately I want us to leave today remembering that God waters it. God brings the growth. There is something here that's happening that's supernatural and can only be done by God. You know, only Paul, only Apollos can plant seeds. God brings the growth. And that's an encouragement this morning, not not an admonition more. It should be relieving, like, oh, good, it's not all up to me. I remember hearing a really amazing teaching on evangelism, and the guy who was teaching it, he said, listen, we get so caught up in thinking to share our faith with somebody, we have to have all the perfect words, and if we don't do it right, well, we're fired by God, you know, (laughs) or this person will never follow Jesus. But he said the whole key to evangelism is just the invitation. You just say to someone, hey, come to church. Or you say to someone, hey, this is my story. But it's God who waters. You plant the seed, but God waters it and brings the growth. So there's an encouragement, hopefully a freedom. I want you to feel this weight come off of you, especially as school year starts again, to kind of go, all right, Lord, it's yours. This is yours. Yours is the growth. 
This is your job. I participate in it for sure. I can plant a seed. That can be done. I can till some soil and make a good, good seed. I can try to get the sun in the right you know, kind of position. But God's going to bring the growth. God is with you on your journey. This is your calling and your vocation. God is with you. So that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at these educators. We're looking at parents, and they're like superheroes, right? I mean, talk about wisdom and knowledge. Where did it come from in your life and my life? It came from these people in my life. I've had so many wonderful teachers throughout my life. I'm doing my doctorate right now. I've got some amazing professors. I was talking to my professor the other day, and I was really discouraged because I'm not a natural academic, and I'm finding doing a doctorate later in life a little bit hard when you're working all by yourself and not in a classroom. I'm an extrovert, so like if we were all doing a doctorate together, that would be awesome. (laughs) But you're not with me in my house. It's just me and my books and my computer. And so I remember my professor the other day, I was telling him, I'm really having trouble. I'm in my final year, so this is like the dissertation, this is the big, the big doings, you know. And I was like, ooh, I think I'm going to die. I don't know if this is going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be the grace of God that gets me to June 2020. Um, but he said, Aaron, as he got off the phone, he said, Aaron, he said, worship God with your mind. He said, you're so used to worshiping God, you know, with your preaching, with your singing in church, with your worship, you know, with sharing your faith with people. He was like, worship God with your mind. I was like, oh, yes, I can do that. I can think of what I'm doing every day with my mind as worship to God, giving him, right, my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So teachers, parents, they're so important to us. So Paul gives these two images. He gives an image of a field. And he says, plant the seeds, etc. And then he gives an image of a building. And he sort of says they're the same thing. They're kind of two images of how we grow people. And so for our kind of tips and tricks to grow that I think he gives us, I've put them in an acronym, um, like a good, maybe a good Sunday school teacher. <laughs> G-R-O-W, GROW, is our acronym for this morning, for what Paul wants to teach us. So the first G is grace. Grace got you here. Paul says, according to the grace God has given me, like a master builder, I build. According to the grace God has given me. Going back to the overall theme that I want you to grab this morning, it's that you're wherever you are by grace. You've been given this place of influence. You've been given children. You've been given people to educate by grace. It's God's grace that you're there, and God's grace will hold you there. I was speaking to a parent the other day, a stay-at-home dad, and he was saying to me, Aaron, you know, it's so hard to raise kids right now in this generation with media, with social media, with phones, with all the things, and he was lamenting how hard it is to try and teach his kids about God and the ways of God when it feels like the world is pulling them the other way. He said, Aaron, it can be so overwhelming. And he said he was praying about it, and he just said to God, God, I don't know what to do. This feels impossible. And he felt like God said to him, oh, so you need a miracle? (laughs) he's like yeah I need a miracle he's like well that's my business (laughs) God was like I'm in the business of miracles I'm a miracle working God nothing is impossible with God right it is the grace of God that keeps us in these places that helps us grow and mature and teach people uh, that are in our sphere of influence and we all have a sphere of influence that God has us over even if it's two people in Starbucks that are the only people we pass all day between us and our database where we work right <laughs> those two people are our sphere of influence it's the grace of God that puts us there and it's the grace of God that keeps us there Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness that's what God is saying 
to him. And then he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That phrase in the Greek, my power is made perfect in weakness, is actually a phrase that means it comes to fruition in weakness. It finds its own, it comes into its full purpose in weakness. When I was in graduate school, I was in Massachusetts, and there was a lot of snow, and I went snowshoeing for the first time. And I decided, ah, snowshoeing, that's a good time. And I was like, I'm going to buy a pair of snowshoes because I'm going to live in Massachusetts for three years. I'm going to need them to walk across campus. It's going to snow a lot. You see where this is going. For the next three years, they had the least snow they've had on record in Massachusetts while I lived there. And so my snowshoes went unused. And even to this day, my snowshoes are in the closet in the 100-degree Washington, D.C. I should bring them in December now that I'm thinking about it. That's what I should do. But my snowshoes have never come into their full fruition, right? They've never been used for the thing that they're made for, their full purpose. Well, that's what the scriptures are saying here about God's strength, God's grace. It's made perfect in weakness. When we're weak, when we don't have what we need for whatever that, that calling is that God has on our life, that's actually when God's grace starts to work its best. That's where it's meant to be is in our weakness. So if right now you feel less than or not not what capable of what God's calling you to, perfect. That is exactly when God's grace comes into full fruition. That is when his power is made perfect in your weakness. I planted, Apollos watered, God has made it grow. It's so easy for us to grow discouraged and sometimes to burn out by the overwhelming nature of being a teacher or a parent or one who brings other people into maturity. So it's important that we remind ourselves daily of God's initiation in the process. You're not in it alone. God is with you. You need that miracle, and God is a God of miracles. So grace has brought you there, and grace will sustain you. The R in grow. Rely on Christ. Rely on Christ. Paul talks about building the foundation of the building, which is Christ. Setting your foundation as Christ. We all know the story of the three little pigs, right? There were three little pigs, and when they went out to go start their own houses, when they grew to maturity, they each decided by their personality what kind of house they would build. So one was over here, and he built a house from straw. One built a house from sticks, and one built a house from brick. And we know that the big bad wolf comes along, and he huffs, and he puffs, and he blows the first pig's house down. And so that pig goes, doo -doo 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 -doo, running over to the other house, right, and hides with the second pig. And then the big bad wolf is like, oh, I got this. And he huffs, and he puffs, and he blows the second house down. And the, those two little pigs, doo -doo 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 -doo, run over to the house of brick. And they hide, and they lock the door, and they lock the shutters. And the big bad wolf tries, and he huffs, and he puffs, but he cannot blow the house down. So what does he do? He remembers they've left an opening in the house the chimney. So he crawls up to the roof and he gets to the chimney and he starts to come down. Now this is where different stories vary and you may have your favorite ending to the three little pigs. My favorite is the Walt Disney version uh, which is the wolf comes down the chimney, he catches his tail on fire in the fireplace and then he goes running out of the house to the pond, sticks his tail in, cools himself off and never bothers the pigs again. <laughs> the other ones are a little more violent. Um, so I don't think Paul ever read The Three Little Pigs, but I do think that he would agree with the moral of The Three Little Pigs story. When you build a house, 
The methods and the materials you choose matter. Straw and twigs won't work when put to the test. But a building that will last is built on a solid foundation. And Paul writes to those in Corinth that this image of a building is what they're building. They're building the church. They're building a community. And I dare say, if this is your vocation, you're building humans. You're building people. You're building adults. And Paul encourages us to lay a firm foundation, one that is found in Christ. It's so easy to separate our work from our spiritual life. That's what this whole series is about, is trying to not do that, which the world is always trying to get us to do. The goal of this is to remind us that everything we're doing is worked out from the foundation of our faith, building from the calling that we have in God first. So what does this look like? I think one way it looks is we ask the question to ourselves, what is the way of Christ in this situation? So you're at work and there's a tension with another colleague. What is the way of Christ in this situation? We, we as followers of Jesus have what's called the ministry of reconciliation. It's one of our main ministries. We're people who reconcile people to God, but we also reconcile people to one another. What is the way of reconciliation in this situation, in this uh, teacher's lounge, <laughs> in this conversation that I'm in, with this neighbor down the street, with this other parent? What is the way of Christ in this situation? Praying about your work, asking others to pray. Do you have anyone that prays for you about your vocation, about your calling? Who you can call and say, hey, this thing is happening at work. It feels very practical, but I want everything to be on the foundation of Christ. Can we pray about it? Can you pray about this situation? I need wisdom. I need godly wisdom. Or I just need help. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just at the end of my rope and I just need help. Prayer. Offer up your work as an act of worship. Teaching is worship. Teaching others new knowledge is worship. Raising kids is worship. Doing laundry and diapers is worship. <laughs> That's one of the hardest things to make, but it's true. Uh, it is worship. So our foundation, we can make Christ our foundation. And with the focus of our attention on Jesus, it's no longer about our way. How can I get my way in this situation? How can I make this part of my calling and vocation work for me? It becomes about Jesus. Where is God working in the kingdom right now in my school? Where is God working in my home? Where can I join him? Because he's already at work there. Paul says in Philippians that there is a secret to contentment, right? And I've always loved that passage. He says, I've, I've got the secret to contentment. And everyone's like, great, ready to take notes. You know, what is it? He says, the secret to contentment is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Two points down front, yeah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That phrase in the Greek is actually, I'm strong for all things through the one who constantly infuses strength in me. I'm strong for all things through the one who constantly infuses strength in me. And I sort of picture it's like Jesus with a, a power shot, a steroid, you know, going like boop, 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 like constantly infusing strength in me, you know, which makes me strong for all things, which means I can do all things. And he says this is the strength that allows him to be strong whether he's hungry or well-fed, whether he's in poverty or whether he's rich. He's strong for all things because of the strength God gives him, because of his foundation. His circumstances are constantly changing, but he is totally content. And I think about it like the tectonic plates. 
which I learned in science from my science teacher. Praise the Lord for science teachers. And I'm so sorry for all my science teachers. I was totally that kid who was like, that's so interesting, squirrel, you know? But I did learn some things. And I remember learning about tectonic plates, which I thought was so fascinating, that the world is, all, that the earth is always changing underneath us. But like, I didn't feel anything, <laughs> you know? I can't feel it even though things are shifting all the time underneath me. That's like what Paul is saying. When we have strength from Christ, when our foundation is Christ, and even though the sands shift under us, whether we're poor or whether we're rich, whether we're hungry or well-fed, we can be content. Because our foundation isn't in circumstances, it's in Christ. So we lay a foundation that's in Christ. So G, grace got you here. R, rely on Christ your foundation. O, own your temple. Paul goes on to explain why the materials that we choose to build with are so important. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple? The building under construction here is more than just a hut. It's not just straw. It's not just a place we're going to store some stuff. For the winter, it's the temple, the temple of God. You are the temple of God. And as we know, this was hugely controversial in the time uh, that they were hearing this because the temple was in Jerusalem. Where God lived was in a temple. It was in Jerusalem. You visited it annually multiple times. You went through great labor to get your family there for festivals to visit God. But now Christ has come and the Holy Spirit is in us and now we're the temple. So it's like, you know, this is like really crazy idea that we carry the presence of God wherever we go. But all of a sudden now our physical body isn't just a kind of, you know, here nor there factor. It's the temple of God. It's where the spirit of God himself resides. So we need to be careful with our temple. <laughs> He's saying this building you're building is important. This holds the spirit of God. One cool thing about that is that means wherever you go, God goes. So when you walk into your classroom on that first day of school, Jesus is there with you. You change the atmosphere literally where you go because you bring the Holy Spirit with you. That's amazing. There is something God is doing by you being present in a place that when you're not there or someone else who doesn't know Jesus is there, it's not there. God is with you and changing the atmosphere of where you go. So part of it is like believe in your temple, you know, like believe in what's happening in, in, in and around you by you being present because you've chosen to give your life to Christ and Christ lives in you. The hope of glory lives in you. The power of the resurrection lives in you and goes with you in your temple. At the same time, Paul is talking also about the wider temple, the body of Christ, the community of God. You know, no one was ever called to follow God alone. Never. They were never called to follow God alone. Christianity is not a solo sport. <laughs> it's team sport. It was always meant to be. So actually, this is plural in the Greek. You are God's temple. The you is plural. Now, I'm from Texas, and you may have heard that a little bit every now and then when I was talking about being here on Sunday. Um, so you know that in Texas, there is a plural. There is the y'all, and then there's the all y'all, okay? He's talking about the all y'all. This is how Paul would say it. Do all y'all know that all y'all are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in all y'all? That's how he would say it. So he's talking about the body of Christ as well, God's spirit. We need one another for these vocations we have. Do you have people who are praying with you? Maybe you don't have availability of that at your school or in your house, but you're not meant to do this by yourself. Is it tough? It is tough. It's tough. That's not a mistake. You're not doing something wrong, but we're supposed to be in it together. We're all God's temple. So take care of that temple. 
I often think that full-time parents and educators are often those who who um, aren't great with boundaries <laughs> because their natural bent is to want to pour themselves out for these people that they're serving. They believe so much in the development of other people. They just want to develop people all day. It's the joy of their hearts to see people grow, but they're not always great at self-care. But you've got to take care of your temple. You've got to treat yourself, you know? As you think about this year, what is going to be your rhythm of rest? Because you have limits. You're not God. You are finite. Just so you know, I don't know if you knew that, but you're finite. God is infinite. You need him, but you're finite, and that's okay. You have limits, and that's okay. How will you rest? How will you keep your tank filled spiritually, emotionally, physically, so you can be the best person to help others grow, to develop other people? The best developers of people aren't the people who become a mat on the floor because they're so exhausted because they've not taken any time for themselves. You can't be the best at what you're doing like that. That's not how God created you. He created you to fill your cup up with him to overflowing that you might pour that out from a place of abundance. So honor that temple, that temple of the Holy Spirit. So grace got you here. It'll get you through. Rely on Christ as your foundation and own your temple. Take care of your temple and rely on the body of Christ. And lastly, W, be wary of worldly wisdom. So Paul in this part is going back to chapter 1 where he'd already said, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. He's saying to them, you're following all these leaders, and you're saying, well, I do it this way, and that's obviously the best. And I do it this way, and that's obviously the best. And there was sort of a scarcity mindset they had. Like, I have to do it the right way. If I don't do it the right way, it's all going to fail. And when you're, I think, an educator, and when you're a parent, you get a lot of advice, right? <laughs> this is the way to teach this. This is the way to parent this way. This is the way to get your kid to sleep at night. You know, this is the way to be at home and be the most productive while your spouse is also out doing work. There's all kinds of advice. There's all kinds of clubs you can join and, and processes you can follow and um, systems you can memorize. And what Paul is saying is you have the world at your fingertips. Instead of thinking, oh, I need to just do this one, and if I don't do it right, everything else is going to fall to pieces. If I don't get this perfect, everything else is going to fall to pieces. Paul is saying, Apollos is yours. Paul is yours. Cephas is yours. The world is yours. God's wisdom is available to you, and it's greater than any of the world's knowledge. He's saying, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. The world is always trying to get us to say, I know everything. Kind of two, two extremes. Either, I have no idea you know, what I'm doing, or, you know, and you, you don't have any knowledge, or the world's trying to get you to say, I know everything. And, um, you know, and a kind of a know-it-all sort of attitude. The world's often trying to keep us in two places, but both are places of fear. This one says, if I don't understand it or know it, I can't control it. And this one over here says, you don't know anything. The world is a scary place. You're in danger. They're both places of fear. God says, you don't know anything, but that's an okay place to be because you've got God's wisdom. It's okay to be foolish. It's okay to not know what you're doing all the time in your calling and your vocation. That's okay because you have God. You want to have a margin of faith in your life for where God can show up. You don't want to be able to do it all on your own because then what has God got to do? <laughs> Where's God going to be in your life? So it's okay. Foolishness. Be willing to be foolish for God. Don't be weird for God. Let me just as a disclaimer. Um, there's a lot of weird Christians out there. 
A lot of people who are like, ooh, be foolish for God means be weird. Don't be weird for God. Unless you're being loving, and loving in the world is weird. So you can be loving and weird. That's okay. (laughs) This isn't talking about that. This isn't talking about going out and doing stupid stuff for the sake of it. It means be willing to say, I don't know. Be willing to be curious and say, you know what? I don't have it all together in my vocation and my calling. I'm not the perfect whatever it is I feel called to be, and I need God. God's like, exactly. That's exactly where I want you to be, depending on my wisdom. Someone had this great definition of humble faith. It isn't a matter of knowing you've got it all together. You haven't. (laughs) It's a matter of knowing that somewhere it is all together and that you're a part of it. You don't have it all together. That person you're following on Instagram also does not have it all together. (laughs) And that's okay. But humble faith is knowing that it is all together, that God has it all together. And that he's invited you to be a part of that. So grace got us here and will get you through. Rely on Christ. He's your foundation. Own your temple. Take care of your temple. Believe in your calling to actually create the temple of God in other people. Someone actually was saying that part of an educator's job is to renew the image of God in others. And I'd say that's the truth for parents too. To renew the image of God in others. It's there. But sometimes it needs a buffing. It needs a shine to come back out. And lastly, be wary of worldly wisdom and seek God's wisdom. That fantastic academic book, All I Really Need to Know, I learned in kindergarten, um, by Robert Fulham has this great quote. Without realizing it, we fill important places in each other's lives. It's that way with the guy at the corner grocery, the mechanic at the local garage, the family doctor, teachers, neighbors, coworkers, good people who are always there who can be relied upon in small, important ways. People who teach us, bless us, encourage us, support us, uplift us up in the dailiness of life. We never tell them. I don't know why, but we don't. And of course, we fill that same role ourselves. There are those who depend on us, watch us, learn from us, take from us, and we never know. You may never have proof of your importance, but you are more important than you think. There are always those who couldn't do without you. The rub is that you don't always know who. (laughs) How does God want to use you in your unknown places this week? We can do all these things together according to the grace he's given us. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Fools to the world's values, but wise by God's standards. And with Jesus Christ as our foundation. That's how God's kingdom grows in whatever our vocation is. We want to end by um, sending out those of you who are a part of this amazing group of educators. So educators, teachers, if you do any of that in your daily work, whatever form that takes. If you're a stay-at-home parent, a full-time parent, we want to bless you. So I want you to come on up, and I'm going to say a blessing over you. So come on up. Join me. We want to commission you to take the grace and wisdom that you've been given out into your places of work. Great. I love this. This is awesome. Let's all stand as just a way of showing that we're standing with them, we're blessing them. If you want to put a hand out to them to commission them, just saying we're praying for you, we're with you. So... Today, we commission you to go and build on a foundation 
that is Christ to the people that you are called to serve, to be salt and light, a gracious and illuminating force in your home, community, school, university, or place of work. Remember that God ordained you and that I too join him in creating a, and that you too join him in creating a world where humanity could flourish. By offering God's wisdom, developing keys and the spirit's presence, you bring God glory as you help restore human dignity. You are doing more than simply bringing home a paycheck or allowing others to work outside of the home. You're doing kingdom work. Be bold in your love for God, serve others in the name of Jesus, and share the reason you care the way you do. Invite others to know that ultimate maturity is found in Jesus. You're now missionaries sent into your places of work. This is your primary calling. So this morning I want to ask you if you will pledge to the best of your ability to deepen your approach to education and the maturing of the ones under your care with the merciful heart of Jesus. Apply your work through the lens of scripture. If you'll make that pledge, would you say, I will? And those of you in the congregation, would you pledge to pray for our education professionals, for our full-time parents, for our trainers and teachers, as God brings them to mind, that God would bless, strengthen, and protect them, and use them in their work? Could you say, we will? We We're going to need a little more rousing than that. One, two, three. We will! Fantastic. Round of applause for all these guys. You can take your seats. Uh, I, every week, uh, it always kind of blows my mind how many people come forward for that particular vocation, right? And you're like, wow, we've got like so many like business professionals, like week one and those that were in tech. And then it was like, all right, uh, so many healthcare professionals, uh, those in the sciences. And now all these teachers that are up here and educators and uh, those that God has uh, purposefully called into the vocation of raising children. Uh, I, I just love it. I love, uh, to me it's just cool that we all get a picture of all of the different places and spheres that God has called our church, right, TLC, to go into. And uh, I hope that this isn't just something that we're like, oh, that was a nice thing. I'm like, oh, that was cool. I hope that this is something that actually propels us uh, into this next year. Uh, that we continue to think about. Uh, I've gotten a number of emails over the last couple of weeks of folks that came up to be commissioned and just said, man, uh, I know I'm supposed to have this integrated life, but a lot of times I, I just don't think about it that much. And thank you for the challenge to, to really think about how I'm supposed to take uh, my faith into my vocation. Uh, that's an ongoing work for all of us. All right? That's an ongoing work for every single one of us. And, and one, I loved uh, how Aaron uh, mentioned that uh, the temple there, because usually whenever we hear the word temple, you are the body of Christ, you are the temple, we think like, oh, it's like me personally, like my body. But in this passage, it's plural. He's actually saying like you together, you're, you're the temple of God, like us together. And so therefore, it's not just what I'm trying to do for myself, but it's also how I'm loving you and caring for you and encouraging you and praying for you. Because when I do that, the body, the temple, actually is then being built up on the foundation of Christ. And we want to be a church that is taking what God is doing in our hearts, in our minds, right? 
when we gather together on Sundays, but also when we're interacting with Christ through prayer and scripture reading. And we take that out into all the places that he's called us. We're not supposed to just be this thing that comes together on a Sunday and then goes away for a week until we gather back again. Right? We come together and gather under the name of Christ to be built up and encouraged and challenged and for God to do his work in us as we experience his power and presence. But then we take that with us because there's folks all around us in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools that need to experience and know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. And we want to integrate then what we do, to do it to the best of our abilities, to bring God glory. And I love you guys. I love that we're doing this together. I'm so excited about uh, what's coming up. Uh, I think God's got some uh, really cool things for us as a church. Uh, I'm so grateful for Erin and uh, the voice that she brings, uh, just the different voices that God uh, is bringing into our church. I need them. So guys, I love you. Take this time back into your neighborhood, into your home, into your places of work, and together we'll spread the love of Christ and give people an opportunity to experience the hope that we found in Jesus. Father, we love you. God, we know we don't do this on our own. We do this because you have given us your spirit. And it allows us to be kinder and gentler and more patient, more generous, more caring. Allows us to have empathy, to understand what others are going through. And so we say thank you. God, may we take what you have given to us and then generously offer it to all those we come in contact with for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Mm, can't wait.